All right, guys, you were locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, joined by my co-host, Alan Sterk, for the semi-final episode of the Falcons Historian Shootout, where two of our guests, Locked On Hawks podcast hosts, Brad Rowland and the Falcoholics, Kevin Knight, are be duking it out to find out who has the most trivia knowledge about a past Falcon season with today's episode featuring the Falcons 2004 season. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So today's Locked On Falcons podcast is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. You guys know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years. I'm on Twitter at Falcfans. You also know my co-host Alan Sterk. You can find him on Twitter at Alan underscore Sterk. That's A double L E N underscore S T R K. And we have our semifinal episodes of the Falcons Historian Shootout, our summer-long series of podcasts featuring two guests testing their trivia knowledge about a past Falcon season. We've gone through nearly every season. Over our 15-year time period, saving the best for last with today's episode featuring Alan and myself going back in time to one of the team's three times over the last 16 seasons or over the last 16 years that the Falcons have reached the NFC championship game. Yes, we are talking about the 2004 season when we all thought Jim Moore was going to be the best coach ever in Falcons history. Until we didn't. And we'll be later joined on today's episode by Locked On Hawks, Brad Rowland and the Falcoholics, Kevin Knight, to see if they had similar thoughts on Jim Moore in this 04 season. Both guys have made it through two rounds so far. The winner of today's trivia contest will head to the finals of this trivia tournament and could potentially be facing none other than my co-host, Alan Sterk, who will be taking on the Falcoholics, Adnan Ikic, to discuss the 2012 season later this week. Alan I'm assuming that you're planning on scouting out some competition for a possible matchup uh, later to, later on this month on today's episode, right? No need to scout competition. When you dominate and you know your stuff, you don't need to scout. Okay. The, the, con- the confidence is high. So, you know, we'll, we'll see about that later this week. But uh, before we sort of revisit this 04 season and then get into the trivia contest with Brad and Kevin later on the episode – you know, we're we're talking about 04. We've already done two seasons that involved this player, or really three seasons, although he didn't play in one of those seasons. But try to avoid that season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we haven't really spent as much time talking about Michael Vick on this historian shootout as we probably should have. And, and or, you know, should have, I guess, is... is in a positive light. Yeah, yeah. But, like, you know, this is the one time where we can, you know, really revisit the good Vic and not necessarily all of Vic's shortcomings from, or in, in the inconsistency that we talked about in Oh five and Oh six and whatnot. Uh, and obviously the down point in Oh seven. So obviously Oh four Michael Vic was, you know, carving up the league. I in college during this time would like, you know, cause he was hurt the previous year and it was a bad joke. So I don't even know why I'm telling it, but um, I oh, would boy. refer to him as New Legs, which is a reference to, I guess, Lieutenant Dan and Forrest Gump, how he got new legs because he got hurt the previous year and, you know, he was out there carving up defenses. But, that, you know, that, there there it is, a bad, you know, 21-year-old Aaron Freeman humor for you guys. It's not even going to respond. There's no reason to respond. <laughs> I just want to – I just want to highlight that I didn't really start watching the Falcons every week till about 2005. So this was the one season for the series where I really had to go back and watch like every game possible when it came to highlights because I didn't really discover what the internet could do till about 2005 when I turned 12 because in 2004 I was 11. So uh, I can't really I, – I can't give like a true – Analytical breakdown because like I wasn't really watching tape then and I didn't watch closely. But from what I caught on highlights, I just thought Vic was like at his peak when it came to being most composed in Atlanta, I should say, because obviously Philly that was his best year back in 2010. One look at from a statistical point of view and just him as an overall passer. But I was really impressed in 2004. Just some of the tight window throws he made. Like we all make fun of him looking back on it for obvious reasons because they traded a first round pick for him. But there were a couple plays Vic and Fearless Price. 
on the money, particularly in some games against the Chargers and Broncos. There were times Vic made some really, really impressive throws. And, of course, he had the chemistry with Algie Crumbler. I think that's what really impressed me most because we all know about scrambling ability. and We know his ability just to make 15-yard losses into somehow 40-yard gains like you saw a couple of those runs. Like that playoff game against the Rams, just some things he did were just borderline illegal. It was absurd. But I think what impressed me most about Vic in terms of form was just some of the real impressive tight window throws that you wouldn't necessarily expect them to make considering if you look back on his completion percentage, it was usually low to mid-50s. Yeah, I mean, you know, when, you, when you're talking about Vic and sort of the – the issues that he had, you're talking about the tendency to take a bunch of sacks, which he did in this 04 season. And you're, you're talking about, you know, a guy that kind of thrived on off structure plays, um, which didn't lead to consistency. But, you know, it was the first year under Greg Knapp. And like you, Alan, like I didn't really watch that much of this season compared to 05 was really the first time for me that I was watching most pretty much every game, but I, I was like 21 in 04. So I was able to finally be able to go to a sports bar. So I was able to see a little bit more games in 04 than I had for, you know, many of the previous years where it just didn't have the ability to, to watch games, whether I was in living in home in Virginia or at school at Pittsburgh. So I don't really remember a whole lot from the season, but I do remember sort of, Vic, you know, at his peak was this guy that could basically generate big explosive plays, whether it was through the, his, his um, arm or on the ground. And I think you got the most out of that because you were able in a lot of times able to marry that with a, a really strong running game for the Falcons that year that was sort of consistently able to, to keep the offense on schedule and then allow Vic to sort of be that playmaker that we all know him and and formerly, you know, for most of us, uh, some of us still do, including myself, you know, love him for. I also think he, some of the things we criticized him about in no five no six was how careless he was with the ball. I don't think he was that careless with the ball no four. You rarely saw him uh, fumble the ball recklessly. If anything, there was times where he, maybe he was staring down his first read. Like there were a couple games, especially Tampa Bay. Derek Brooks always had his number. Like some of those Tampa Bay games were tough to watch, but I think. The large part of that 2004 season was their eyes was like Vic made more impressive throws rather than throws where just like okay it was kind of schemed up or it was more of okay Algie Cumbers made a phenomenal play like that game-winning touchdown against the Saints that was one of the more impressive throws Vic had escaped the pocket uh, had evade pressure and he just put it right where Cumbers get it and you know with that big body it just that was really exciting i love because we all ever who doesn't love algebra conflict but i think just the chemistry between those two vic always had a knack for just putting the ball where only conflict could get i would agree with you except for on the point of protecting the football he did lead the league with 16 fumbles that year so. did he really <laughs> yeah and i was like mm, you know, the just hi- to play the, <laughs> the, the the highlights i saw he fumbled a lot in those games Really? Um, yeah. I remember the Bucks. The Bucks just always had his number. Yeah, you know, there was a couple of games, particularly the losses. It How many like. did he lose? I don't. I, I'm. I'm trying to look that up right now. I don't, yeah, can I don't. you look that up? Because I don't know. I just remember highlights because we talked about 05, like those games against Cleveland, Detroit. Uh, there's probably a Carolina game in there somewhere, and 06 it was just a disaster. But I think 06 is more from a throwing standpoint. But, oh, man. Uh, one thing I will defend, Vicon, I, I know he got sacked more than 50 times. I really didn't think the Falcons' O-line was all that good. Like, you look back on it. Like, I never thought Kevin Schaefer was all that good. Uh, Top Weiner, of course, was decent. But besides that, McClure and For- – like, McClure was obviously the man. Forney was consistent for a couple of years. But I didn't think that O-line was all that good. Um, I'm not finding exactly how many he lost, but it, it definitely, that's, that's not out there. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm on pro football reference and they just have the number of fumbles without me having right. to, to dig too deep and whatnot. Right. But, uh, yeah. Um, let's move on to the 04 season in general. But before we do that, Alan, you know, we're talking about fumbling the ball when it comes to hurting your chances of winning football games. But you don't want to fumble the ball when it comes to finding affordably priced parts for your car or 
truck. So you should head over to rockauto.com where you can get engine control modules, brake parts, floor mats, all at rockauto.com with just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. So you can get those great prices at rockauto.com because they're always reliably low. They're the same for professionals as well as do it yourselfers. And you can go to rockauto.com right now, see what's available for your car truck. And when you do make sure you write locked on in the, how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. So Alan, as I interrupted you, what are your thoughts on the 2004 season? I kind of forgot they started off 4-0, and ironically, they, the first game they lost was to a pretty bad Lions team, although the Lions were good at the time. It was just, I don't know, 2004, I remember going to the season thinking, kind of like 2010, they should be better because by default they're going to be healthy uh, because, as you know, Ryan missed a couple games in 09, and Dick Austin missed most season in 2003. So I just, you know, being someone that was, well, I wasn't a teenager at the time, but I was a young man or young boy, however you want to phrase it. I just had confidence. I was thinking, okay, kind of a new coaching staff, new wave of talent. Uh, I was really excited about Ron Coleman, who ended up being a huge addition. And I was just thinking, all right, this team, maybe they can do some things. And for the most part, they, especially with Vic, you know, Vic Dunn Duckett, they delivered. This team was really good, and they didn't really have a lot of stars, but for some reason, they just operated very cohesively. And uh, more times than not, whether they had to force turnovers or they could make a few big plays with speed or can, they made it happen. Yeah, it's weird that they lost to the Lions. It, it seemed like there was a stretch of games where, like, Joey Harrington was was Michael Vick's kryptonite for some reason, that the, the Falcons, because we talked about this in 06 and whatever. But, yeah, like um, – you know, they kind of played really good defense to start the year. And it was one of those things where the offense kind of slowly started to catch up um, as they sort of, you know, built up their form and, and sort of, you know, had things going pretty strong by the end of the season. You know, it's one thing I totally forgot about, and maybe you watched it because it was hard to find highlights on a few minutes, but uh, we'll talk about the positives. But what on earth happened in that Kansas City game? I. I saw the highlights and I was just like, I get like, and I'm trying to remember back to then because that that was sort of like the beginning of like Falcfans.com having a forum back in that Oh four season was like probably oh, the first man. year we had it. And it was like probably like three people posting on the forums back then. Uh, shout out to the scout. Uh, if he's still out there in the world, listening to the podcast. Um, I will not speak much about the scout. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, I just like I think they just got you know Priest Holmes or Larry Johnson or whoever was a running back. Playlock back, too. Just just completely eviscerated them, and probably they couldn't cover a tight end, so that probably didn't help either. Because their front seven was really good. I thought that was Brady Smith's best season from just looking at past seasons. Obviously, Kearney was the man. Uh, Our Coleman was huge. Ed Jasper, I always thought was super underrated. Uh, I don't know why I just thought he was like one of those classic run stuffers, and I know you love Chris Draft, Chris Draft, and this was prime Keith Brooking, and Matt Stewart also gave it down. So I got that three-four defense with Ed Donatel. I thought for the most part they were very disciplined, and they largely shut that run. But that Kansas City game, yeah, I was looking back on, I was like, what on earth that? But they actually did really well against the AFC West that season. They won a thriller against. It was weird seeing Drew Brees in that Chargers uniform. It was like the first time in over a decade I watched a Charger highlight mm-hmm. where. Drew Brees was in a Chargers uniform. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the game log for that Chiefs game, and I'm just basically the Chiefs just pounded the ball down their throat, which was something that didn't happen regularly the rest of the season. So, you know, it is what it is, I guess. Uh, I know we, we mentioned before there weren't a lot of like, stars on this team, but who were some of the guys that you kind of as players that made a huge difference? Um, you know, we got to talk about DVD. Uh, we talked about the V in the, in the DVD, but you know, work done and TJ Duckett, you know, it's, this felt like peak Duckett in, in terms was of pocket, pocket, Duckett flashed a lot in the highlights. Oh my, he was running with some vengeance. Like Chris Berman was even had his own catchphrase for him. That's how good he was. Yeah. And you know, obviously, you know, peerless price in the passing game didn't bring a whole lot. They had, you know, a rookie, Michael Jenkins, but it was a lot of, you know, Brian Finneran and Algie Crumpler on, on sort of broken plays. Again, those sort of off-structure plays where where Vic was, um, 
you know, doing his thing. But I think you mentioned it. You know, I remember getting Rod Coleman to sort of be that number two guy alongside Patrick Kearney as a pass rusher. And I remember being very high on, you know, Chad Lavallee and, and, you know, Brady Smith was still going strong on defense. So I, I think you're right in terms Travis of... Travis Hall was still there, which yeah. kind of blew my mind. <laughs> I was like, what, Travis Hall? Yeah, like I went back, you know, to, to better refresh myself and, and was rereading um, like an old training camp preview that I wrote for 04, uh, deep, deep, deep in, in the internet archives at foulfans.com. And like just some of the names that were out there, like the players that I was super excited about like I remember writing about like Derek Ross who didn't play for the Falcons that year but like was this early round pick with the Cowboys that had some off-field issues that got booted from that team and it was like oh he's gonna be you know the the nickel cornerback you know alongside D'Angelo Hall and and this new guy Jason Webster that we got and he's gonna be the superstar that you know him and D Hall are gonna be the the best duo of corners in the league to come and sort of just like the excitement with the new era with sort of the rejuvenation that I thought Jim Moore and Rich McKay, who, who you can't, you know, dismiss sort of, you know, the massive upgrade that we had at the, at the general manager position uh, from, from Dan Reeves, you know, shopping for the groceries in the previous like six, seven years. So like, yeah, it was, it was just a couple of guys that were like, you know, it was an exciting era for, for a lot of things where, you know, you had the expectations with Greg Knapp going to be turning, you know, Michael Vick into the next Steve Young. So, you know, it was, it was the beginning of, of a really exciting time to be a Falcon fan that didn't necessarily last, but you know, for the time being, it was great. I do have to mention him again, because this is the only year in the series that we could talk about, but similar to Ray Edwards, I thought Peerless Price was going to put the Falcons over the top. I'll never forget reading Sports Illustrated Kids Edition. This Mm. is back when I was 10 years old and Peerless Price did an interview and said, Vic and I will be the new Young and Rice. And I was like, oh, I'm excited. Real surprise coming through. And outside of the games against Denver and the Chargers, didn't really make many plays. And he was on the receiving end of some pretty bad interceptions where he was the intended target and didn't really fight for the ball. Not a very physical receiver. No. Real surprise. No, I mean, for those of you, like, the the closest equivalent of what Peerless Price was as a football player, I think it was probably, like, Aldrich Robinson. Oh, uh, ooh, I think it's Harry Douglas. I don't, I, like, I think Harry Come Douglas. On, Peerless Price had some big years in Buffalo, man. Yeah, because he was, like, basically, like, it was Eric Moulds that was, like, the big guy. And, and when they had Drew Bledsoe and had a big arm quarterback that could chuck those deep balls, like all he had to do is like, just go deep peerless and, and do your thing. And he was good. But like, I remember, cause I remember distinctly being on the Lavernius Coles bandwagon for the Falcons to get as their number one oh, receiver and not being great. a peerless price guy, you know? So for those people that are like, why is Aaron the way that he is? Is because like 15 years ago, I was like, Hey, the Falcons should sign this guy, not this guy, and you know, wound up being right. And I was like, hey, you know, maybe you know, it went to my head, I guess. But you know, obviously, like at the time, it was like, okay, well, like Peerless Price did a lot of great things, but it was very quickly, it kind of realized that, oh, you know, there was a buyer's beware on him because he just, as you said, inconsistency, not being able to get open, drop passes, you know, basically all the things where. You know, or no, a better example. Who's who's the guy that was Mike Wallace? Remember Mike Wallace when he left Pittsburgh? Yeah, Mike Wallace was a true deep threat, though. Like Mike Wallace had defenses scared for a bit. I don't remember Felix Price ever being this like, guy that struck fear into the secondary. So. Okay, well, you know, you were like, like, Mike Wallace is you were like eight, place. but yeah, sure. Oh, I don't remember, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, you are totally right. I just don't remember reading about Felix Price being like this deep, scary deep threat. Like you know, guys like Mike Wallace, Deshaun Jackson, those guys, you got to legitimately game plan for. Like I didn't really hear that with Felix Price. I heard he was just a productive receiver who could make all the plays. Yeah, I mean, you, it's not, it's not. I was, just, I was going with the whole like one trick pony type of thing that he he kind of was but not obviously I don't think he was as good at being a deep threat as Mike Wallace was at his in his peak years but that was kind of where I, I was going with that I was just really frustrated at the fact that he prevented Des White from getting the reps that he <laughs> I was waiting for the Des White uh, the drop on that one but, but I want to mention like the secondary just a lot of random names like Aaron Beasley I remember he had a big 
interception. You know, a couple of big interceptions. Uh, of course, the pick six king, Kevin Mathis, always popping up every now and then. Uh, D. Hall eventually just got reps. D. Hall was not good on highlights. I saw him getting beat quite a bit. Young he was not good as a rookie. He was not good as yeah. a rookie. Like I know we talk about that. I know everyone likes to highlight the pick six against Seattle where Jerry Rice fell and he took it to the house, but uh, it was not good. Uh, I remember in the playoffs, Bolger and McNabb picked on quite a bit, which uh, we should probably just quickly mention the playoff game. Uh, that Rams game, it was just like watching. It was kind of like a global equivalent to the 2016 season where it's just like this team cannot be stopped. It's it just at this point, if they dropped 50, it would not be surprising. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was very drunk going into that game because I was very excited that the Falcons were going to go back to the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah. and, drinking you know, a PBR, of course. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think we were drinking natu- natural light at that time. Still in college, broke, but um, maybe Keystone. But, uh, yeah, I remember, you know, being very excited about that. And then it was very quickly watching that game like, oh, they don't have it today. And the Eagles are clearly – a much, much better team. And I just remember it seemed like every time Vic tried to do his magic and whatnot, it was like Brian Dawkins was there to just wreck him or wreck Crumpler or wreck whoever. And it was just like, Oh my God, that Dawkins Crumpler hit. It's just, it, it, it's like, I can't even describe it. It was just something that's frightening. And the crazy thing is Crumpler gets up and then he just like crumples like five <laughs> seconds. No pun intended. Uh, Crumpler just like, Oh my chest, my chest. Cause he took a shot. But, hey, he held on to the ball, which was, I think, one of the two plays where the Falcons had a play over 20 yards in that game because, boy, they could not move the ball whatsoever. But that that game really solidified in my mind, like, man, Brian Dawkins is a beast. Like, that, this dude, when he went to the Hall of Fame, obviously we're not doing a Falcons historian shootout on Brian Dawkins, but, like, I just remember that, that was my biggest takeaway from an NFC Championship game. Man, Brian Dawkins is amazingly good. He's all over the place. I just love how I asked about the Rams game and you went to the Eagles game. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No. That's just Aaron being Aaron. (laughs) No, no, no. The Rams game. No, quickly the Rams game. Again, I don't have too many memories of the Rams game because I was very drunk for that game. Um, That was, I think, my birthday weekend when I turned 22. And I remember them completely obliterating the Rams. And I remember being very excited, partially due to the alcohol, partially due to the Falcons. You know, they, they, they set a bunch of records. Rossum had a big game, work done, dominated, Vic dominated. Um, it, you know, that Rams team, was that the Rams team that was like 7-9 and nine or 8-8? Eight and eight that It beat Seattle the- in the first round. Yeah, it was a very big And uh, Isaac Bruce was out. Yeah, so. you know, I think that Rams team probably goes down as like historically, at least in, in my lifetime, one of the worst playoff teams Ever so, it's you know not to take anything away from the Falcons in that game. They they dominated a weaker opponent. That's what you want to see. And that was one of the reasons why I had so high expectations. Like, oh yeah, we're you know we're we're operating at, at the highest clip. You know, beating a team by thirty points in the postseason. You know, that's the momentum you want going into that Eagles game. So, yeah, I'm sorry for not answering your question initially. Let's wrap it up for me. Best moment. I'm- if I had to pick a playoffs, the Rams game was memorable, but I'm going with Allen Robinson's touchdown. Once Allen Robinson's uh, Robinson, once Allen Robinson scored that punt return, I was like, okay, they got this. And it was just a cool moment because I think he broke the record for most uh, punt return yards in a single playoff game. And I was always a huge Allen Robinson guy. So to see him have his moment with a work done as well, man, work done. I felt like he was just getting 20 yards almost every carry. And there, I know he had a 62-yard touchdown there in between. Ward done just basically did whatever he wanted in that game. But for me, the moment, uh, Rossum is touchdown against the Rams. And worst moment, I probably got to go with that when Vic threw the interception that Dawkins announced the championship game. That's why I knew it was pretty much over. Like, he just threw the ball, and Crumper looked back, and the ball was already in Dawkins' hands. And I was like, all right, well, that's it. Yeah, dude. Even though, man, just look back on the Quigley and NFC title game, they had chances. Like, uh, I think there was a strip sack by Brady Smith, um, who dropped the interception. Oh, I think maybe it was Brian Scott dropped the interception in red zone. They had a chance in that game, but they were cl- clearly second best in every other category. All I'm saying is they had a chance to make it somewhat competitive. No, they, they had a chance. They just didn't really have – they they just couldn't get anything going offensively. Oh, it was just Crumpler had one big play, and then Brian threw it on like a – crossing pattern that was about it yeah and they and they couldn't tackle brian Westbrook to save their life um <laughs> yeah for my highs and lows I, I would go with the same choices because I, I i can't think of better examples because i remember again as i said being super super high on the falcons coming off that Rams game and then being like oh no this <laughs> this is all circling down the drain uh you know very quickly in that uh eagles game so yeah i think I, i'm with you there well, I mean, let's, let's mention. 
Vic was the first QB ever, 250 passing yards, 100 rushing yards, and that against Denver, one of the best performances I think I've ever seen during that time. Yep. So, guys, coming up next, we will be joined by Locked On Hawks podcast, Brad Roland and the Falcoholics, uh, Kevin Knight, to get into this Falcons historian shootout. But, of course, while we're here, might as well plug the Locked On Hawks podcast hosted by Brad Roland. Find it on your favorite podcast platform, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. So, guys, we are back for another Falcons historian shootout joined by, of course, the host of the Locked On Hawks podcast your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. That is, of course, Brad Rowland, and he is going up against the Falcoholics, Kevin Knight. These guys have been duking out versus other premium competition on this Falcons historian shootout for a couple of rounds now, now culminating into the semifinal matchup to decide who will be one half of the finalists to win this potential trivia tournament with the Falcons historian shootout guys, how are you doing tonight? Living the dream is what I'll say, uh, at the top here, uh, not expecting to win, but uh, happy to be here. Happy to have survived this long. Yeah, it's, it's all good here. I believe I was uh, 11 years old in 2004. Uh, so I've had to do some research about actual oh, adva- player advantage names. me, advantage yeah. me. I'm older. <laughs> so I've had to do some research on like, uh, who everyone, cause I knew who Mike Vick was obviously and, and, like crumpler <laughs> and like, you know, work done like the big names, but like, I didn't know like any of the offensive linemen outside of top tour. So, uh, I've, I've brushed up a little bit, so it shouldn't be, you know, a, a, a total wash, but, uh, we'll, we'll see how, how difficult these questions are. And, uh, maybe I'll just get lucky. Like, it seems like everyone I go against craps the bed. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so far I've only needed to get like three right to, to Matt, to move on. So. I've been skating by on, as Bomani Jones said about Matt Ryan. Is there any chance we can name this episode? I knew who Matt, I knew who Mike Vick was. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a very good title. That was the only player I cared about when I was 11, I think. Keith Brooken, he was a nice guy. Uh, I think they drafted D'Angelo in the first round. But other than that, you know, I'm I'm disappointed by this uh, slander for, you know, uh, Demoria Williams and Jay Feely and Matt Stewart and all those guys, but uh, I'll, I'll take it in stride uh, with uh, that on today's episode. But as you know, Kevin eloquently said, you know, he was 11. Don't clearly didn't have too many memories of the season. What about you, Brad? Sort of what point in your life were you at when sort of Michael Vick fever sort of reached its crescendo here in Atlanta in that 04 season? It's funny. I actually have had season tickets once in my life for the Falcons, and it was in 2003. And uh, that did not go very well uh, mm. for obvious injury-related injury-related reasons. But uh, I was a senior in high school that year. Got really cheap season tickets and went to all eight home games. That didn't. It was it was fun in its own way, but bad football. Um, and then I went to college. So my fr- 04 was my freshman year of college. I was still dialed in, but not going to games at the same fever, but, uh, you know, I, I was, I guess I was an adult, I guess you're an adult as a freshman in college, barely. Um, but uh, I was not 11 years yeah, old. So I was not 11. So I have uh, a bit of a leg up. I remember these things as they were happening, but other than that, uh, I was probably not in my full blown prime as a Falcons observer, but certainly, uh, knew what was going on. Uh, Kevin, what about you? I- I'm assuming since you were so young at this point in time, you initially came to the Falcons around when Vic got drafted. Is that, uh, a fair guess? Yeah. 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 I mean, I like vaguely remember the 98 game as being like on in the background, like the Super Bowl. Um, but yeah, I mean, after Vic's drafting and subsequent run was what really made me a Falcons fan. So, I mean, I remember some of his highlights from the season um, just being like super excited, having a Vic jersey and stuff like that um, about the Falcons, you know, actually being good for a change. Um, so I was excited about that. But in terms of like the actual games, yeah, I mean, there's not, there's not a whole lot there in terms of actual game memory, but, uh, you know, I think, I think I learned some of the players' names, so hopefully it won't be uh, totally <laughs> hopeless. Okay, we'll find out. So, Alan, who do you want us to start things off with? Uh, before we start, I just want to quickly ask Brad, because uh, I know, Kevin, you were only watching too close at the time, but Brad, what were your thoughts on Jim Moore Jr.? We didn't really talk about him too much. Um, you know, again, I was probably not in my fully formed brain just uh, yet on football we'll stuff. Forgive I mean, I, we'll forgive you. We'll forgive you. I was not a huge Jim Mora fan. Uh, 
I will say that as, you know, just acknowledging, I'm trying to think back to my old self. I know I had takes at that point in time. How informed they were is probably up for debate. Uh, but I was never, uh, I was never all in on the Jim Moore experience. I'll, I'll say that. Hmm. Okay. That's interesting. I was all in, you know, the smelling salts, all that stuff that he was doing as a pregame ritual. I was all in. Very, all very on brand for you again. Aaron. That was <laughs> I had no brand. idea he he used to do that. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just know he had a very nice smile, and he pumped his fist a lot. I think the memory that I have most of Jim Mora was the uh, the radio interview when he was already talking about going to Washington. It's so. the most notorious one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I remember uh, Morton Anderson always talks very fondly of Jim Mora. Uh, I, I've interviewed him a couple times, and every time he tells me a Jim Mora story. So uh, I guess that that's the only thing I really know about Jim Mora. Uh, so that, there you go. This might be a bad joke, but Kevin, was he talking about junior or senior? <laughs> Probably both at different times. I think he's <laughs> talking about junior in that particular instance, but yeah. Playoffs. I always enjoyed Jim Moore's coverage when he was at the combine and he would be like doing the bench press stuff. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I enjoyed Jim Moore, even though like, obviously he didn't have a lot of success or as much success in Atlanta as we do. I just enjoy him as a human being in general. So. I will say this: He was much better than the guy who uh, followed him. Yes, for the job. Yeah, which is not saying much, but saying something. <laughs> He's better than the worst Falcons coach. So. <laughs> yes. All right. So, Alan, who 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 kicks things off? Uh, you can start off with Kevin. Okay. All right, Kevin. Um, you know, I hope you studied up because I, I tried to up the difficulty because we are in the semifinals. So we'll see. Okay. Th- thank you. Yeah, you know. I appreciate that. All right. Number one, despite playing over 15 seasons in the NFL, this 2004 draft pick managed to start just three games for the Falcons during his NFL career. Okay, so somebody who played a lot outside of the Falcons. Uh, Okay, so he only started three games for the Falcons, but you said he played a bunch of seasons outside of Atlanta. How many seasons was that? 15. 15. Oh, okay, yeah, so... well, it could only be one man, uh, the, the glorious Matt Schaub. Uh, that is correct. I knew there was going to be a Matt Schaub question. I, I could feel it on my butt. I mean, it's Aaron we're talking about. <laughs> Take that, Bamani Jones. All right. Number two, the Falcons ranked third in the NFL in points allowed per game through the first six games, but then gave up their highest point total of a season to this team, the only two, the only team to score 32 or more points against them all year. Who was that opponent? Yeah, I don't really remember much about the individual games. I assume they probably lost this game. So I'm going to try to remember one of the losses because there weren't very many losses. Uh, was it the Kansas City game, Kansas City Chiefs? That is correct. Okay, yes. I knew there was like, like there was only four losses, so I was like, all right, it's got to be one of these, but. They dropped a 56, which okay. is still one of the most absurd things I've ever seen in my life. Well, if they had Patrick Mahomes, you know, that would make sense. So. Oh, man. Half a bill. Um, number three, the Falcons had two backs catch touchdown passes in 2004. Name one of them. Two backs, two running backs that caught touchdown passes? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, okay, so I know the name of one running back. Well, I mean, I guess... Well, I know work done was the starter, so I guess I'll go with work done. That is incorrect. Work done. Oh, had... see, it was a trap. It was a trap. Yeah. It was a bit of a trick question. Work done had zero catches of receiving touchdowns that year. TJ Duckett had zero receiving touchdowns that year. Oh, that was that was mean, Aaron. Yeah, that question. Yeah, that, that question that's was a mean. Tough one. Yeah, because TJ Duckett was the only other running back I remember. So. Yeah, but Kev, you have to know Aaron's brand. This is an Aaron, another Aaron brand question. Oh, was it the fullback? It was Justin, Justin Griffin and, and Stanley <laughs> Pritchett, that. the backup fullback. I didn't know anything was Stanley Pritchett. I don't even know who those people are. I mean, yeah. I remember vaguely the fullback's name, but yeah, no, that's... Yeah, yeah. Justin Griffin got hurt, and Stanley Pritchett replaced him and scored a touchdown. Ooh, that was uh, gross. Dunn didn't, like catch a, didn't catch a touchdown pass. That's yeah, Michael Vick didn't throw touchdowns that year. <laughs> yeah, he just ran for all Yeah, of them. just ran for all them. them all away, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, number four, the Falcons spent big money on two defensive free agents in 2004. One led the team with nine pass breakups. The other finished second on the team with 11 and a half sacks. Name them both. Okay. Well, I actually know the second person in sacks. That was a uh, defensive tackle, Roderick Coleman. Um, I remember him because I have a defensive tackle. I haven't had many sacks. It's kind of crazy. Um, and then you said the other one 
led was the leader of cast breakups and it was a free agent as well yes okay was it um hmm well couldn't be couldn't be hall because he was drafted not a free agent so uh was it uh aaron beasley no uh it was jason webster Oh, Webster. Okay. Yeah, I know. I think I remember Beasley having a lot of interceptions, but that's the only. Number five, 2004 marked the only time over the past 25 years that the Falcons had four former draft picks start at least 12 games alongside each other on the offensive line. Name three of them. Okay. So draft. So draft picks of the Falcons. Yes. Okay. So McClure would be one. That is correct. Um. Okay, I, I purposefully tried to remember the names of the offensive line. So here we go. We're good. Schaefer. Trying to hold on. Trying to remember the first name. Um. Oh, I should. This one's easy. It's Kevin Schaefer is my first name. Yeah. So that's two. <laughs> yeah. Um. And you said there were there were four, and I only just have to name three. Just need one more. So one of them is not a Falcons draft pick. I don't remember which one. I think I remember all the offensive line, but I don't remember which one wasn't a Falcons draft pick. But uh, let's see. I think I think Kynan Forney was a Falcons draft pick, so I'm going to go with him as the last one. That is correct. Okay. The other option would have been Roberto Garza. Oh, okay. And the fifth offensive lineman, for those that don't know, was Todd Weiner, who was a free agent signing in the 2 season, the same offseason where the Falcons signed work done. Okay. There's three correct for you, Kevin. <laughs> I'm just, just trouble. three every time. Yeah. Solid. <laughs> that's, just, that's my brand. Yeah. Solid. Mediocrity. <laughs> uh, I said mediocrity too. No, that was that was that was pretty good, especially with the uh, the trick question in there. I think you were. You think yeah, you yeah. He messed me with it. Messed me up big time with that. One. Aaron, Aaron, how do we do score ratings? Zero. We just caught the Gina. Yeah, look, we love Gina, but he's got caught the Gina. <laughs> <laughs> One is hot trash. Two is mediocrity. Three solid. Four very good, and five just elite. Yeah, I think that's fair. I could, I could, I have done a five. But I will not name that for myself because okay. I'm not that pretty. Yeah. Of course, you know, he, Sir, you the know. only reason he, he he brought that up is so he could say that. So I'm I'm glad you got that <laughs> off your chest. Huh? I know. So I know when people lose in the first round, it's very hard to catch. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, Brad. Here we go. First question. Who led the team in interceptions? Interceptions. That feels like a true question, too. Uh, I was about to it's, – it's not – I don't think it's D'Angelo Hall. Um, you know what? Because it was said earlier, I'm going to go with Aaron Beasley. Good pick. You're right. He had four. I almost said Keith Brookings. I think he had three or four, too, that year, something like that. That was prime but, Brookings. Yeah. He's the guy. Uh, number two. Mike Vick became the first quarterback ever at this time to throw for more than 250 yards and rush for more than 100 yards. Who was the opponent he did against? Uh, this is going to be a complete guess. Um, he didn't have a lot of good passing games that year. Uh, it's got to be a win, probably. I will say the Saints, which is probably wrong. It was the Broncos. Yeah, I had no chance at that. Yeah, I'll duel Jake Plummer. Jake the Snake. snake. (laughs) Question three. (laughs) Question three. Who had the longest reception on this season? You just have to name the player. Uh, Another probable guess for me here. Um, Peerless seems too obvious. Um, Des White. Wow, you got it. Woo! I could not believe it. The Des White brand. He had a 54-yard catch against the Panthers on that uh, memorable Saturday night game. That's the one. I mean, he was like the number two receiver that year, essentially. I mean, well, number three behind Algie, essentially. But he was a thing for a minute. I know. know. Aaron disputes that, but uh, he's asked to admit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, Des White, guys. Like, you guys don't understand. If you thought I hated him. I'm not saying he was good. You thought he hated Sanu, right? Yeah, if you thought I hated Sanu, <laughs> just, ima- just imagine, uh, multiply that by 10 times, and those were my Des White takes back in the day. So there you go. That is hysterical. I believe you. Uh, Falcons started the season 4 0. Name all four opponents they beat. <laughs> uh, no chance. Um, they beat the Niners in week one. I do remember one. that. I'm not going to get this, but the only other one I remember, I think, was in the first four weeks. Was did, wasn't that wasn't the six three game in the first four weeks, the Arizona game? Yep, that's two. Okay, then I got nothing else. Uh, you you got guest teams. 
I'll guess teams. Um, the Bucks and the Rams. You got the Rams one, but it was the Panthers. Ah, uh, that's hard. That All Carl's right, game was le- that, that Carl's game was legendary though. Six three. Uh, Vic had a crazy run at that end, right? I think he sealed it. I think that's right. Yeah, if I'm remembering. Right. They they all go together at some point, but yeah. young Josh McCown still somehow in the lead. But Josh McCown that, that, that score was yeah that that score was just crazy enough for me to remember sixteen years later. But yeah, all right, here we go. We either send it to extra time or Kevin goes through the finals. Question five: T.J. Duckett scored four touchdowns in one game. Name the opponent. Again, I don't know this, so this is going to be a guess. What do they score? Who do they score a lot of points against? Um. Is it the, is it the Broncos? Yeah, let's. I'll go with the Broncos. Because we talked about that earlier being a being a game. They, yeah, the, I'll go. I'll go with the Broncos. It was the Raiders. Yeah, I had no chance at that. So Kevin, that's it. The three point dream lives. It's solid. R.I.P. <laughs> I think you had harder <laughs> questions, Brad. To be fair, but yeah, those are like name like five teams things. I uh, yeah, that was- it's hard. Yeah, I mean. Uh, it's hard to do individual game stuff from 2004, but that's part of the game. We're in the semifinals. You gotta, you gotta ramp it up here. So I'm okay. I feel honored Kevin, to have been included. Kevin, their fireworks still off right now. I don't know if it's in honor of you, but they're definitely fireworks. We'll say that it is. We'll just pretend. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, Brad. We appreciate you for participating. We enjoyed having you on, and uh, you know, we, we celebrate your success to make it this far. Unfortunately. <laughs> You know, those pesky Oakland Raiders strike again to trip up people as they often do in this world. And, uh, you know, Brad, (laughs) go ahead and plug what you guys got coming up on Locked on Hawks. Uh, You know, you're not going to be in a bubble, but you still got to put out a daily podcast, right? Yeah. First, thanks for having me, guys. It was fun. Um, Yeah. No bubble stuff, but plenty of NBA drafts. You can follow Please follow and subscribe to that podcast, Locked on Hawks, which is on this uh, same network adjacent. Uh, follow me at BT Rolling on Twitter for everything else they got going on. But, yeah, um, hopefully football will be happening pretty soon. And uh, I have other things to cover, baseball, basketball, just no Hawks in the bubble, which is okay by me, honestly. Yeah, you'll be fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Kevin, what do you have coming up at the Falco Hall? I can go ahead and plug your stuff as well. Yeah, so uh... – I've started a Falcons player profile series where I will be going as long as it takes. I will be doing one a day of every player on the Falcons roster. We're still in the starters now. So, um, you know, please training camp get here as soon as possible, but uh, we can go up to 90 days with this. So that's, that's what I'm currently working on. Um, And uh, I, we did wrap up the Twitter redrafts, the NFL series. uh, So I'll be posting the last two rounds of that. Um, The short, Short of it is that, you know, probably wouldn't take that team over the current Falcons team just because if you're not picking in the top 10 and getting a quarterback upgrade, you're probably not going to trade your franchise quarterback for any other quarterback. But uh, it was a fun exercise. I enjoyed it. So that'll be coming up too. Um, and then Wednesday uh, will be another Falcoholic Live episode. Uh, you know, we'll see what we have to talk about. Probably Patrick Mahomes' deal because uh, it's the only football news. Um, maybe some, you know, rookie signings. Just kidding. I guess we're never going to sign our rookies. Uh so, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm on Twitter also at Falcoholic Kevin if you uh, like takes. So those, uh, check me out there as well. Yeah, uh, check out Kevin on Twitter. See if he decides to wade into the Bamani Jones firestorm. Um, you know, but uh, Kevin, we Maybe. look yeah. <laughs> we look forward to seeing you in the championship game and seeing you, you know, come up with your uh, uh, inevitable three points again. So whoever, yes. you know, you'll be facing, possibly even Allen, uh, and later this week, he'll be taking on Adnan Ikic, uh to talk about the 2012 season. So they, they kind of know what number they have to get to in order to win uh, yeah. when, later on when we get to that final game. So, you know, obviously, Kevin, kudos to you for the, the consistent, solid performance, you know, week <laughs> to week. It, it's like a Mike Malarkey offense. You know, you're just going to. Yeah, gonna... I'm the Jeff Fisher of trivia, uh, you know, trivia <laughs> contenders. We're going to go nine and seven and sometimes we'll make the playoffs and sometimes, you know, we'll win a few games here and there. Rock but, solid you know. Michael Turner just yeah. churning out yards, just, you know, three, three yards in the cloud of dust, that type of performance. And I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Aaron, you get three yards on every down, you know, you get a first down on fourth down. So. 
And we do have to stress, though, and Kevin, this might benefit you, we are doing for the final, the 2016 season, so I'm hoping you can maybe get to step it up a notch. Because... Yeah, yeah, because I actually, you know, remember that season. Was that a good season? I can't remember anything about that season. It's, it's all Kyle Shanahan yeah, questions. It was all good Kyle. for February. <laughs> remember it ended after the uh, NFC Championship game. I don't remember anything after that. Your, your, your yeah. first three questions are going to be your choice of play calls, uh, you know, leading up to that final uh, drive for Kyle Shanahan. So, you know, we'll, we'll gauge whether or not you get the correct answer. Uh, that and yeah. fullback talk is all you have, is all you can bank on. <laughs> Should they have re-signed Patrick DeMarco? Yes or no? Well, Jalen Collins is a good pick. I don't know if that's a question, but we're just going to put Jalen Collins in there. That one's too easy, yeah. I, I guarantee you there will be a Patrick DeMarco question. But. I know. I'm, I'm prepared. I know if I get Aaron's questions again, I know which brand I, I got, you know, I should have been on the fullback one. That was too obvious. So. All right, guys. We appreciate it, man. Um, we hope you guys have a good one. Uh, hopefully, you know, Brad, I know you got NBA to look forward to. Kevin, we're hoping, crossing our fingers, that we'll have some NFL football to look forward to uh, shortly. So, uh, you know, hope you guys have in- enjoyed your time on this podcast. Kevin, we look forward to many, you know, a few more, at least one more uh, visit from you in the coming weeks. So uh, I hope you guys have a good night. Yep, you guys as well. Thank you. Thanks, fellas. So, guys, there you have it. Another Falcons historian shootout. We will now see Kevin Knight into the finals. He will be potentially facing off against the winner of the Adnan Ikic versus Alan Stark episode that we will have coming later this week about the 2012 season. As we just discussed, you know, the finals is going to be about that 2016 season. Alan, thoughts on tonight's matchup as well as your future matchup with Adnan later this week? I just got to highlight that Kevin has beaten Jason Buck 3-1, Dave Cho 3-2, and Brad Roland 3-2. He's had a quite a accommodating ride to the finals. While great men like Will McFadden lost 5-4 to me, Dave Walker in the first round lost 5-4. Kevin's the man, but he's he, he's he's wrote it a little bit. Let's just... Let's just we gotta we gotta point it out. So that's why he, whether it's me or Adnan, he better be ready to elevate his game a little bit. He's gotta take it from uh, Mike Malarkey to I don't know Kyle Shanahan, early maybe Greg Nath. Uh, Kyle Shanahan first half of the Super Bowl. Let's just hope Greg Nath. Maybe okay. 2004 Greg Nath. Two, I don't want to stress 2004. Okay. I know there's some people on Twitter that aren't particularly fond of Greg Nath due to certain things. Yes, but. Uh, as for our match with Adnan, we've been talking a bit. We think this is like the finals. It's a little unfortunate that this isn't the finals, but nevertheless, that's how the bracket end out. And I think it wouldn't be surprising if it ended 6-5 because both of us are going to bring it. Okay. Well, I, I do have some say in that, but we'll see. Um, I, I'm, I'm ready to, to bring the heat in that matchup. A 6-5 would be crazy. That's like the goal. I want to see a 6-5. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But um, I, I will not. As Aaron just shuffles his notes, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, questions from Dominique Franks. I, I try not to tip my hand on, on sort of what will happen later this week when we get into that. But I, I kind of agree with you. It feels like you have a one seed and a two seed in your matchup with Adnan, and the winner of that at least will be should be the favorite going into that finals. But you know, Kevin could surprise us, and and you know. That consistent three, you know, may, maybe somebody, you know, chokes. I, I don't know. Someone with an A name. Um, happened you know. to Dave. That happened to you know, but I just feel like you can't really choke. It's the 2016 season. Like, you got to know the 2016 season. We'll see. All right. So, you know, I have a... You know, Not including February. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. Anyway, guys, uh, there you have it for another Falcons Historian Shootout. We are done with that. We will have more content for you with another one coming up later this week. We also have that mailbag episode that I promised this weekend that thanks to fireworks uh, was not recorded Sunday evening to drop on Monday. And so that will be out later this week as well. I haven't figured out exactly which days I'm going to drop them, but there's probably a high probability that there will be a podcast tomorrow and then the day after that. So um, that's the plan going forward in terms of what order they will be. We'll have to see. Probably the shootout will be tomorrow's episode. 
that's where I'm leaning right now, but you know, make sure to get that episode, whatever it will be. Make sure you subscribe to the locked on Falcons podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're doing that, of course, subscribe to the locked on NFL podcast where a former NFL scout, Matt Williamson is joined by host Brian Peacock to talk about all the daily things going on in the NFL, including Patrick Mahomes monster contract. You know, maybe he'll, they'll react to Bamani Jones lighting Falcons Twitter on fire as well on a future episode. Who knows? So subscribe to that on your favorite podcast platform, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Locked on NFL. You are locked on Falcons. Your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So how do you guys enjoy uh, Bamani? Jones uh, blowing up Falcons Twitter earlier today. I guess I haven't seen that yet. So what, what happened? Uh, <laughs> you'll you'll see. Uh, <laughs> I haven't been on Twitter since like 12 p.m. or so. so. He, he said Matt Ryan's pretty good, but uh, people are too flattered by mediocrity is uh, one way of phrasing it. Oh, it's trending. Okay, yeah, I see. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, start, it started. Uh, it started with uh, Bomani saying that Matt Ryan wasn't a Hall of Famer, which isn't like the most ridiculous take in the world. But then yeah, it got yeah. it got it got it got hotter and hotter from there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he would rather have he rather have Tony Romo. I know that was out there at one point in that conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's, there, that's there were plenty of plenty of stuff in there. You know, I think Matt Ryan Trinidad, I thought he made a great donation or he had a good interview. <laughs> and then I just seen the tweet. I'm like, damn. Just, just Bamani. That was it. That was yeah, literally it was, all it was. All it took was Bamani, one take. And I was just like, wow. Okay. All right. I'm, a, I'm just going to stay a, out a, uh, a long retired Falcons fan, Bamani Jones. Uh, yep. That's yep. all, all it took. <laughs> mm. I'm disappointed right, we didn't now, get now to get a. Out. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm disappointed we didn't get to our tiebreaker question because we we didn't get to the the patented Kevin Mathis. Uh, I don't know if he's he's a guy that you you remember Kevin, but every time Kevin Mathis picked off a pass, it was a pick six. Yep, in fact, in, including the uh, the famous one, the only good moment of 2013 was when he had the pick six against Carolina in primetime the night that Vic came back. Yeah. And that place was bubonic. I, I mean, that place was absolutely crazy that night for a team that was, I think they were, I think they were three and 11. Yeah. Kurt but they came back and there was videos and everything. And that was uh, still one of the craziest nights of uh, that I've ever been in in a Falcon stadium. And they were three and 11. So. Yeah. At least there's only two games for preseason. So I guess the games will have somewhat more meaning, but there's going to be more reps. I don't know, man, because I, th- I think knowing the Falcons, knowing what Dan Quinn's done last, I think he'll just sit the starters and then just play all the backups, all the scrubs for those two games. And we'll, I think Todd Gurley's got to get some reps. I don't think he's. I don't think he is, but we'll we'll see. I mean, you know, it, it's good for me, for my brand, because I can talk about Danny Etling all summer long, but, you know, for everybody else. Um, but I think Todd Gurley has to play because Dirk Cutter's got to see if he can play. He step on the football field. You know, Dirk Cutter, he has no idea. Like, what's he going to do? <laughs> He's been waiting so many months. Like, can he step off? Oh, God. I, I, we way, we get to talk about Dirk Cutter tomorrow. Ah, 2012 Dirk Cutter. Good, good Dirk Cutter. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. And I really don't like Dirk Cutter. N- n- nobody does. <laughs> Why should you? 